You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on L.A. Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Love Talk Live. I'm your host, Jamie Bronstein, and today I have with me Jenna Poneman. We were just going over that the pronunciation. Poneman, correct? Poneman, yes. Poneman. So Jenna is a dating and relationship coach here in the LA area, correct? That's right. Um, Do you wanna tell us a little bit about yourself first and then we'll get into some questions? Sure, Uh, let's keep it brief. Um, So like Jamie said, my name is Jenna, uh, born and raised in Los Angeles, California. Um, Being that we're in LA, of course, I spent the first half of my career as a professional athlete and actress. um, And that led me to all the fun things of dating and relationships, um, playing them on films and television. I decided I'd better get my real love life together. And in the midst of doing that, I became super inspired to educate and share with everybody else all the amazing things that I've learned over the years. So here I am today with you. Great. And you have a fiance. You are in a successful relationship. We love we love sharing great stories. So can you tell our viewers Tell us how you guys met. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what makes your relationship work and anything else you want to add in there? Ooh, good questions. I think it's safe to say everybody has their own own shtick that works. Um, you'll hear me throw lots of Yiddish slang in there every once in a while. Okay. Um, but my my fiance and I, we met um, at the gym, um, as some of the cliche stories go. Um, however, I wasn't exactly someone who uh, had their focus on dating or a serious relationship at the time. So um, we became really good friends just casually, um, had a lot of fun, got to be ourselves. Um, I always like to joke that... Um, he was always clearly interested um, way before I ever was. Um, and I used to always joke and say he was really weird. Um, I don't want to go near that. No, never. That's not my type. Um, and three years later, still friends, very close. And all of a sudden, something clicked that I think this might actually be my person. And uh, we said, let's give it a shot. Four years later, we were engaged. And it, it could not have been the better relationship that I could have ever asked for. So um, I think things that work for us really is, uh, as I mentioned, I wasn't someone who was ready to be in a relationship. And I think preparedness is something that, not to say you have to have all your ducks in a row per se, but at least from the mental standpoint, um, you have to be ready for one. Um, You have to do the work for yourself. And so I took that time for me um, and got to a place where I was very comfortable to speak openly and speak candidly, Um, not just when I'm feeling good, but when I'm, you know, things are hard and and things aren't feeling so great. Um, And so for us, we really got into this great pattern of communication where even if things were tough, uh, we just know how to speak that language with one another. So if you can conquer it through the the tough times, the easy times, or a breeze, um, and I think that's that's really what works for us the best. Well, I want to ask you some questions about communication, but before yeah. I do, I, I it's very refreshing that you guys had this kind of long long term. Are we friends? Are we not? Type mm-hmm. of or you were weren't really into, it, but then you were relationship because you don't 
see that a lot these days. And so it's it's great to see that you weren't necessarily into him at the beginning and then you were. What do you think it was? Do you remember the moment? Did he say something? Did he do something? Yeah, um, it's funny you say that. I think, you know, when, when you start to date, you always have this idea of what you want. And, you know, my family, very culturally Jewish, said you're gonna marry the Jewish guy that's well off and has this kind of yeah. job and yeah, that whole thing. Um, so I was very turned off by him just in what I should like. Um, and then I would date the people I should like, and I was never quite happy with it. And I was dating all these people in the midst of being his friend. And one thing I noticed just having conversations is I knew he liked me. Um, you know, you always just sense it and in the way that they look at you and talk to you. Um, and even knowing that things weren't going to happen with us, he never set the expectation or set the pressure. He, he would just be a listening ear. We would just have conversations. And so when I felt like the pressure was gone and the, or the expectation was gone, I just started getting to know him. Um, I took the pressure off myself of having to be something. And it sort of just gradually became this thing where um, I did have online you know, apps like Twitter or not Twitter, um, <laughs> Tinder, excuse me, it's been a day. Um, you know, I, I had all the dating apps and he kept showing up as, as an option for me. And I went, well, that must be a sign because we keep showing up as candidates for each other on our dating apps. And so one day I looked at him and you just start to see him differently. It, it, it's, it's just an instinct. All of a sudden he wasn't the weird, silly, guy that I've known for years, it, it, he was a man that I'm really drawn to and that I can really be myself around. And, you know, people think it's so easy to be yourself around people. And it's not, um, especially when you're thinking about relationships. And so it just sort of felt so effortless that I said, I, I have to explore this. And when I opened myself up to the opportunity, it just, that was it. I was just writing an article today on the energetic alignment and that it's, mm -hmm. it's so much more than you can explain. And it sounds like that's what happened. You just felt like your energies just aligned. You were vibing and yeah. it just felt right. It did. And I think, and I imagine you probably will might agree with this too. You know, when you think about being in alignment with someone, it's not just similar interests, like those little things that we think of when we, are filling out dating profiles online, right. right? There's a synergy that gets created where, you know, maybe at our core, those values, we share them, even if they don't necessarily look the same. Because um, like I said, he, if you look on paper and his career and, and who he is, never in a million years did I expect to be with someone like that. But if you look at who he truly is at his core, the things that are important to him, why he does what he does, that's what's in alignment. And, and he's cute. Yes, that helps. On Instagram. So you were you were you were physically attracted to him and also emotionally, spiritually, everything, obviously, also. Yes. But you know, this is where most people think you've got to be physically attracted at the beginning. It doesn't always work like that. I was not physically attracted to him at the beginning, and now I couldn't be more attracted to him. Well, that's amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay, so let's get into communication. You were bringing up you guys in, as an example, but how do you work with people um, to help them with effective communication? Yeah, yeah. So 
typically, um, you know, the type of coaching that I do with my clients is called cognitive behavior coaching, very similar to cognitive behavior therapy. Um, and so we really break it down. CBT. You got it. So, you know, we definitely break it down in terms of your thoughts, feelings, behaviors, how they're all interconnected. And in terms of communicating really effectively, typically when, when we communicate, there's sort of one of three ways that we do that. We're either kind of passive in, you know, wanting to sort of bury things under the rug and always keep things pleasant and, and uh, be the people pleaser, if you will. Um, or we try to be really defensive about things or be very black and white. Um, aggressively. So the middle ground to that is really taking this place of confidence. Um, I won't say neutrality per se, but but assertive necessarily, right? And so we're talking about things very matter-of-factly, um, and we're doing it with the intention of, um, I have an idea of how I'd like to see this play out. You have an idea. Let's find a win-win together to, to come to a mutual understanding. And so when we have the conversation through this way or this lens, maybe we stand a little taller, maybe our voice is a little more um, confident or um, not necessarily stern, but again, assertive. Uh, and we ask questions. We, we come into this conversation very open and willing to understand one another's perspectives, knowing that we will work together to create that win-win. That is beautiful. Thank you. I mean, it sounds like it's very effective with the people that you work with. It is. I think on paper it sounds, oh, easy peasy. But of course, then we get into the nitty gritty of conversation. And maybe when it's a simple um, conversation around, you know, what do we have for dinner? Easy, right? But then we're getting into bigger conversations. Like maybe, you know, dating's going really well and we want to see if we're on the same page of, of moving it to the next level, you know, or maybe we're, we're a serious couple and, and there's some discrepancies that we need to address. Obviously here it can, it can be a little more complicated because we're going to battle with those emotions that are coming up. Uh, and we do this dance of how can I remain in this confident space when curveballs are going to get thrown at me, we don't really know what the other person's going to say. Maybe we say something and it unintentionally offends them. There's so many things that can happen. So if you are able to maintain this space to the best of your ability, then we can trust that you're doing everything in your power to create the best possible outcome of this conversation, regardless of what the actual outcome ends up being. Well, it sounds like what you're saying also is that it's really important to say whatever you need to say to be seen and heard. And you were mm -hmm. saying your own relationship, you were talking about being yourself and mm -hmm. it sounds easier or it sounds like it, it, it doesn't come along every day. And yes. so the person that you're going to be with forever, you truly need to be comfortable being yourself and saying whatever you need to say. I believe without, um, you said neutrality before, I like to say mm -hmm. staying as neutral as possible with no attachment to the outcome. Exactly. Feeling comfortable to express yourself and not worry, not have that fear of how they're going to react, um, but express yourself with the, those I statements. I'm feeling this way, not you're a horrible person. Exactly. And I know there's a loophole that I have a lot of clients um, that love to do this, which is, I feel that you're wrong. <laughs> 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 yeah. Not, it's a judgment. Yeah. 
it's a judgment. And so it's, I mean, it's such a catch 22 for some people to say, how do I take the judgment out of a conversation that is driven by our personal judgments and opinions? Um, You know, and of course, we're talking in the context of conversations that are a bit more conflicting. Um, But but yes, trying to to stick to this place of neutrality um, as best as you can, being unattached to the outcome. I know that is so hard. Um, Something that I like to say, um, mainly to my singles, but I feel like it applies here, too, is, you know, when you're dating or when you are single looking to meet your match, you have an idea of of sure the person, but more so the experience that you want to have when you're with your ideal person, right? And so when we're having conversation, I invite my clients to try to think about what's the experience that they would like to have through the conversation or how do they want to feel at the end of the conversation, regardless of what that outcome is. Because the only thing that we really have control over is how we feel to an extent, and what we do about it, how to create the space. So if we have an idea of what that end goal is, we can then model the behavior during the conversation as if we've already achieved it, therefore promoting the sense of being detached from that outcome, just being able to really step into the space of I'm physically doing everything possible to create it because I'm living it as if it's already happened. Yes, visualizing, and I love that you're you tell them to tap into the feelings. Yes. Yes. And then you can actually create the outcome mm-hmm. without having attachment to the outcome. You create you have an intention of what the outcome you would like to be. Yes. I say the gray zone is that essentially you can be attached to your experience to the outcome because you can create that regardless of what the outcome actually is. Yes. So if your experience is, exactly. So if your experience is to be at peace with it or to be content um, or to feel a lightness towards it, well, that can look like all sorts of things. I love that you're saying this because we do have the power to enter, to kind of like prepare ourselves to enter into a conversation and kind of do the self-talk that no matter what the outcome is, I'm not going to be changed. I'm not going to step away from my inner peace and my inner joy. I'm just going to trust that whatever the outcome is, is for the highest good. Exactly. I'm all concerned. Okay, so let's talk about, um, I'm curious what you have to say about certain signs that he's into you or he's not into you, or he's uh, good for you or not good for you, or you can do both. But now this, of course, there could be 50 million of them and perhaps, you know, to each his own on this one. Um, but maybe in light of what we've been talking about, this authenticity, being able to be yourself, um, signs that you might experience if you know that this person isn't in line with you or isn't a good fit. Um, You know, authenticity is obviously a big number one, um, at least in my opinion. If you feel like you have to censor yourself or walk on eggshells or put on a performance, um, then potentially we might want to reconsider. Um, Other things like trust, which, you know, sure, this is a big core one that a lot of people say is is a big value, but you'd be surprised how often this is overlooked when you've caught the attention of someone and it's exciting and enticing and, oh man, if I have to start over, I don't know what that's going to be. So let me avoid that and just bury it under the hatchet. 
And more and more we do that, the more and more we're sacrificing this ability to trust this person and, and potentially vice versa. So if you find yourself questioning things they're saying, feeling a sense of jealousy, if they're going out with their friends, for example, um, any hint of do I potentially distrust this person? Big indicator that we maybe want to consider um, where we're at. Um, feel free to chime in at any point, by the way. I have lots of them. No, that's gone. Go on. Okay. Um, other things to consider, of course, as I said that my brain just went here. Um, okay. <laughs> also go into signs that it, it is a good relationship or sure it could be good. But if you, if your brain went, <laughs> and I've got more. It's okay. Thankfully, I am. Um, this happens to me quite often. So I always, You're keep human. My, I, right. You know, this thing called human, um, other things, um, maybe not so much internalized signs, but, um, this potentially can be arguable, but I always like to say, you know, if your friends happen to not approve, I don't say that it's the end all be all, um, but perhaps something to consider. And the reason I say friends as opposed to like family, um, family are definitely, while well-intentioned, will be biased with what they think is right for you. So what they think is right for you isn't always necessarily what's right for you. Friends can do this too. However, I find that friends can potentially be the sweet spot between someone like your parents and then just having to make that judgment call for yourself. Because as I mentioned with the trust piece, we might sometimes overlook um, whether or not this is a good person from the, the fear of having to start again. Um, and so your friends, they're definitely gonna be in your corner, um, uh, perhaps a bit better than say a family member when it comes to your dating, your relationships. They want the best for you. And so if they're saying something's off, they know what you like, they know what you're looking for. So perhaps have a, have a little bit more of an open ear when it comes to your friend's advice. Yeah, and it sounds like what you're saying also is that your friends have more of an ability to be a little bit more objective than family does. Exactly. I mean, maybe that's why I say this is always arguable because it depends on the person. Um, right. But but, you know, they're not your blood. It's one of those things where if you choose to ultimately be with this person, it's not going to directly affect them, whereas a family member might feel like it will. Right. Which it shouldn't, because the bottom line is if if you are happy, then your family should be happy for you. But it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> we would like to think that that's what everybody, um, you know, believes. But yes. Yes. Okay, so signs um, yeah. that a relationship could be good um, is good for you. Yes. So um, the I mentioned in my experience, a lot of core values, right? Or as we've talked about being in alignment. Um, a lot of people, when they think of qualities or think of things I mentioned before, they tend to gravitate towards interests. And maybe in the short term, that's definitely an appeal and a good sign that there is a potential match here. But if you're looking into something more serious, you really want to look at those life goals, some of the core things that they are really passionate about. And if that is in line with what you're really passionate about, not to say it has to be the exact same thing, like we're both passionate about personal growth. Um, or we're both passionate about athleticism. It doesn't have to be that direct, but let's say the driver behind those things, that core value I talked about for myself. So if personal growth is your reason for him being uh, passionate about athleticism and you being passionate about um, um, your, your 
seminars that you go to on the weekends for like women empowerment groups, um, then perhaps this is a lifestyle that you can envision blending together. Um, signs on his end, uh, kind of along that same line, is if you see them being very proactive in bringing them and incorporating, or excuse me, bringing you and incorporating you into their life. Mm -hmm. um, I, I always like to think of, at least in terms of um, male to female relationships, um, men are generally speaking always kind of on the, putting their foot on the gas, pushing you, you know, if you're willing to go, if they're in line with this relationship, whereas the woman's the person who pumps the brakes, she controls the, the tempo. Um, this happens when the guy is genuinely interested. So if he's excited to be with you, he's going to go full speed ahead at least at the beginning stages. So if you see that he's excited and he's motivated and he's ready to go, and he's incorporating you into his life, introducing you to friends, um, involving you in his interests, this is a clear sign that he wants something more with you. Love it. Okay, so we are getting towards the end. I would love to talk about dating or navigating love during the upcoming holidays. What kind of advice do you have uh, for those? that will be experiencing this. Um, do we, are you asking more for singles or couples or a bit of both? I actually have some notes here. I would like you to talk about both the daters and the couples. Okay. Um, I will start with the daters. Um, so being that, you know, COVID is a thing this year. Um, Wait, oh, what? Yeah, you know, yeah, this thing, um, COVID, yeah. Um, and and now it's the, the season for holidays and flu season. Um, anyways, all, all the things that are happening right now, it's really changed the game of dating, right? On one hand, there's this huge surge of people getting online. Um, however, the big question has been, is it, are, are these people really here for commitment or do they just want a pen pal? Um, so there's been a lot of frustration with dating because we're not quite sure what people want. And so now here comes the holidays, which typically for singles, this creates a lot of anxiety, a lot of expectation of, um, you know, am I going to go home to my family and they're going to ask me why I'm still single or is Aunt May going to set me up with her colleague's cousin's younger brother, <laughs> right? So, you know, it, it's very nerve wracking. And now here's this added thing of I'm already really longing companionship because it's been so isolating this year. And now it's going to be even more amplified by the holidays. So one thing I invite you to do is, um, regardless of your experience with online dating, if you're looking for that sense of companionship, then online dating is still your best bet. You have access to tapping into people literally all around the world. Um, change up your profile, refresh it. Anytime you do that, it resets the algorithm to give you higher visibility rates. Mm. Um, really revisit your profile to make sure it's in line with what you want right now. Um, when you're communicating with people, believe it or not, COVID's actually really helping change the game of just being transparent and getting to that authentic space really quickly. So if you're saying, hey, the holidays, I'm looking for a companion, um, just be upfront about it. Like, what are you looking for? Um, are What's social distancing really like for you to see if they're willing to take it, you know, to more of a physical space with you? Things like that. Um, in terms of the holidays generally outside of COVID, one thing that I will caution uh, 
um, is that there are certain seasons that generally speaking, we see people that are more serious will tend to enter relationships in certain periods of time. And unfortunately, the holidays is not a time of year that people tend to enter relationships that are looking to maintain something serious. Not to say that. Isn't yeah, go ahead. The cuffing season. It is. There's. It's very interesting because on one hand we do have cuffing season, but when we start to enter months like December, November, December, More um, like that, Yeah, this is where you'll see exactly holiday party time comes around and this is where you'll see people getting more into temporary relationship just to have the companion so they don't have that feeling of loneliness um it's a very fine line from cuffing season entering this point they seem like they're bought in and then next season comes around new year's passes and all of a sudden it's like what was i thinking um and so you'll you'll see a lot of fallout happen um in the months of January to February, because yeah, February, yeah. right, right, because February comes also Valentine's Day, and everyone goes, Oh God, this means commitment now. Never mind. Um, or I need to find somebody, I need a Valentine for Valentine's Day. Yes, yes, there's an interest. I feel like we have to put a whole timeline together or like a dating calendar of like on this day, you should meet your match, and on this day, just skip it um because it, it it does get to be a bit of a of a dance of when to do it and when to not but generally speaking um if you look at like pew research and just the general statistics we do happen to find that around these specific holidays of thanksgiving and christmas um that that anxiety does increase around loneliness but it tends to recover come january um just keep it in mind perhaps that can change because of this year with covid um Perhaps not. Um, I'll, I'll quickly, because I know we're wrapping up, I know quickly just with the couples to give you guys some something tangible. Um, I know the holidays generally are tricky, but this year, you know, maybe you have to pick on whose family you're going to see, whose you do not have to see. Maybe there's been some, some more tension in the home with everything going on this year. Um, so what I invite you to do is um, really step into this space um, with as realistic of an expectation as possible. Maybe the holidays aren't supposed to be super festive and joyous where you have to pretend you have no problems. Um, maybe it can just be, this is finally the moment where I just get to relax and take the pressure off myself because this has been a really hard year. Just practicing you know, what we call acceptance of, of the way you're feeling. Um, and if you can do that and, and give yourself some compassion for how you're feeling and utilize this time as just a way to celebrate yourself. Your partner gets to do the same. And when we take that pressure off, we can come together in a space that's your own and you get to create whatever that is for you, whether you get to be with family or it's just you guys. I love that you just brought up compassion because self-compassion is so important. And then compassion for the person that we're with is so important also. Mm -hmm. And then a better relationship. Mm -hmm. Yes. Compassion sometimes is hard to come by, especially this year. So. And also, you can kind of model, like, if you start being compassionate and showing that you're respecting yourself and then you're compassionate towards your husband, boyfriend, whoever it is, mm -hmm. then they will, through osmosis or covertly, kind of follow, mirror it. You know, you don't yeah. need to say, I'm going to be more compassionate now. Like, you just kind of start doing it and then they give it back to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The way that, um, you know, the famous five love languages, it comes up in a lot of conversation I have with clients. Um, I always like to bring it up when it comes to compassion, because sometimes we feel a resistance towards it. 
um, when it comes to our partners. Um, and so I like to remind you guys that, you know, there's a love language that you like to speak and you want others to speak with you, but it's not the only love language. And so chances are your other part, your other partner or partners have their own language. And if we could just speak a little bit of that to them, just imagine how much of your love language they're going to want to speak back to you and what's possible from that point. Very good. Yeah. Compassion and compromise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, Jenna. How can people find you? What are your socials? What's your website? Yeah. So you can find me website, jennaponemancoaching.com um, on Instagram at Jenna Poneman, um, Facebook, Jenna Poneman Coaching. We're going to do a dance here. Um, those are probably my main ones. If you happen to be corporate and love your LinkedIn, you can find me there too. Just look up my name. Um, but most of my stuff, if you like free tips and advice, is my Instagram um, and my website. So Jenna Poneman for Instagram, jennaponemancoaching.com. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. You were so great and you shared so much amazing information. It was very inspirational. I'm sure all the viewers will just love it. And I'm sure you'll be hearing from people. Thank you, Jamie. It's been such a wonderful time. So thank you everyone for joining us on Love Talk Live and join us next week. We will be back. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. You're listening to Love Talk Live with the relationship expert, Jamie Bronstein, only on LA Talk Radio.